When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm joined by the whole gang today. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris, and backed by somewhat popular demand, Doug Maurice. <laughs> it has been it has been a while, Doug, like at least a month. I'm just here so everyone knows I wasn't fired. That's <laughs> as great. much as people, I think so the, some people might hope for it. Was the last time you were on what you talk, what you watching, what you eating with you, myself, and Scott? That could be possible i will say i've been doing a lot of watching and a lot of eating just not a lot of pod on the browns (laughs) (laughs) okay here's what we're gonna do and and we did this last year um declarative statements about the cleveland browns so you've got to make a statement you can't waffle on it you can't be like well if this happens or maybe this it's got to be a declarative statement about the cleveland browns some people agree with you some people disagree and we'll talk them out uh, we did a draft lottery generator to determine who would go first. And lucky me, I got the number one pick. And lucky all of our listeners. As I mentioned before I hit record, mine is a real downer. But I've come to terms with it. I have thought about it. I've kicked it around. And I have come to terms with this statement. The Cleveland Browns will not make the playoffs. Oh, I knew you were going to say that, Dan. Yeah. I knew that's where you were going with that. Who agrees? Let's start here. Who agrees? And you don't have to like, you don't have to firmly agree. Like I, like I'm making the statement, like, this is what I believe will happen. If you're kind of like, yeah, I tend like, I'm like 60% there. That's fine. Hmm. Anybody else on that? Do you you want me to make my case? I agree, agree, Doug. Make your case first. Okay. And then I'm, cause I'm personally waffling on this. So this, I have a few prongs to this. The first is it starts here. The AFC is stacked. Okay. We know the AFC is really, really good. Um, After that though, I just look at this football team and the only path I see is for this defense to be like record breaking, like amazing. And I I don't know if they're going to be that. I think they're going to be good. I don't know if it's a defense that, that carries you through this stacked AFC. I'm not real high on what this team will do with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. And I think there's too many people assuming Deshaun Watson's going to come back in week 13 and be Deshaun Watson. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he'll be good. I don't know that he'll be the quarterback they traded for this year. That might be next year and beyond. 
he's not going to be getting reps until that week he starts. You got to give those reps to Jacoby. He might get a few extras here and there, but it's it's going to be Jacoby's show until Deshaun gets to that week to take over. And I just think this team feels like an eight and nine or nine and eight team to me. And I don't think that's a playoff team. So because you said that, I will agree with you because we're, we're getting our preview content ready and I've kind of settled on, I think their record's probably going to be about nine and eight. Like, I think they can go maybe six and five without Deshaun. And then you come back and like you said, Dan, like it's probably not going to be perfect, right? The guy will have gone months at that point without any kind of reps with the team and it's been a long time since he played already so there could be a couple losses mixed in those last few games that he's here as well um and that was kind of my thinking on why I was waffling in the first place because nine and eight eight and nine it it is kind of like truly middle of the pack so it does kind of depend on how things play out around them but if we're looking at it that way then it's it's easy to get to your declarative statement of this might not be a playoff team because if it's going to depend on other people around them, they might not be in control of their own destiny. Doug, you said you agreed with me too. Yeah. I just think it could be really rough while Watson's out. I think you make a good point about the assumption that when he comes back, having basically not played in two years, Hey, well, he's, he's one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL. He might not be that right away, but, but I even just think, and, and my, declarative statement will tie into this. I just think it might be really rough offensively for 11 games that they might be in a hole that even if Watson's good, they can't dig out of, but I think it could go either way. Maybe they tread water enough. And then after Deshaun's awesome, I think you need both, right? Like Jacoby percent needs to be pretty decent. And then Deshaun needs to be ready to be Deshaun. I think both those things have to happen for them to be a playoff team. And I think it's very likely Maybe they at the best go one for two. Mary Kay, agree or disagree? You know, I mean, this is just such great food for thought, Dan. It really is because, uh, of course, we've all been thinking a lot about this, wondering how this is going to go. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I really do um, because of the division that they're in. I think that the Ravens are going to bounce back. I think that the Bengals are going to be really good. I think that the Steelers are going to win probably eight games or something like that, just because they are the Steelers and they're coached by Mike Tomlin. So I think it's going to be really, really, really tough. Um, I I still think they have a chance. I do think that they probably will win around nine games, but I don't think nine games will cut it for a wild card spot this year. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, So I, I really think you could be onto something here, Dan. I mean, I think the offense is going to look a lot better than what we've seen so far. We haven't seen Amari and we haven't seen Nick and Kareem and, you know, they've got a lot of weapons on this offense and they're going to have a really good defense, but I still do think that it will come down to quarterback play and, um, and that winning more than nine, nine games can be difficult. So I'm not going to completely disagree with you on this at all. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I think that's the one thing surely to be taken, especially because Watson's going to be out for some time and he's not going to be able to go to the facility. He's not going to be able to be around his teammates. And so with that, he's only going to be able to practice with, you know, three other people for him is going to be me, myself and I, you know, referring to him. So with that being done, you're thinking he hasn't been hitting an actual regular season NFL game. And it was going to be like, I believe, I think I said actually like 23 months in like a day and, you're just thinking, can he really suffice to that? 
and coming back at a time where not only is he facing all, all you know this media presence, but also this team trying to make a run to the playoffs. So I don't disagree with you at all. Wow. There was a I re opportunity there for you to jump in. Like you're still the new guy, 13 and four, man, just coming. All these people are wrong. I think 13 and four Dan's crazy, but I respect that you stuck with the cogent football analysis and in your position, I would have pandered. I would have pandered and just gone against everybody. (laughs) This is not, this is not how this is supposed to work, Doug. Hey, hey, wait, wait, Doug. Listen, look, I know you're saying it right now, but just wait. All right. I got you. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Okay. All right. I respect it. You're supposed to yell at people, Doug. No, I know. No, no. But Unless you've turned over a new leaf in the last. No, month. I have. I've, I've under, undergone a complete personality transformation in the month that I was off this pod. So just <laughs> wait, just wait. Everyone's going to be so excited. Good job, everybody, on the first round. Great oh, analysis. Oh really a kinder, fun. gentler Doug. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the title of this podcast, Dan. Well, I, I mean, we were all in agreement on that, and I guess we can move on. I guess there's there's not really a lot to discuss there unless anybody has anything to add. So can the number. I mean, well, let me add one thing. Like if we are talking about the fact that maybe they're a middle of the pack team, it is still technically a possibility that it could fall their way. Like last year was kind of a weird year. We didn't think the Steelers were going to make it in until all of a sudden they're in a wild card spot with what were they, Dan? Eight, eight and one or something. Or... Uh, I got it right here. They were nine, nine seven, seven, nine, nine, seven and one. I was close. Um, I don't know. Sometimes nine wins is enough, but in 2020, when the Browns made it, you know, that year was a tougher year. So maybe these AFC teams that are all really good, like the AFC West in particular, everyone's just beating up on each other. And then maybe the win total isn't what it, you know, isn't super, super high. Like it was in 2020, um, the threshold to get in, maybe it's more similar to last year. And we see two AFC North teams in there. Maybe they kind of sneak in that way, but I do think, you know, it would be a, a sneaking in sort of thing would be the counter argument. I'm, you know, I'm also, okay. I'm, I'm a little nervous. The AFC North, this could feel like a couple years ago when the Browns went 11 and five and they were third place. The AFC North schedule is kind of easy this year. They've got the NFC, it's the NFC South. And what is it? The AFC, I got to remember who they're AFC East. East. So, you know, and even those crossover games, like the Browns kind of got, for having the third place schedule, they get the Chargers, you know, like they get one of the tougher team, maybe the second toughest team in that division. You know, they do get the commanders out of the East, um, but really the really only Philadelphia is the, the borderline scary team in the, in the NFC East. So even in that regard, the AFC North could have a bunch of teams that win a bunch of games. And I, and I just think, the Browns not having their quarterback for 11 games and then not, not knowing a hundred percent what that quarterback's going to look like when he comes back, it just kind of really puts them, it puts them behind the eight ball a lot, I think. And, you know, I mean, one of the reasons the Steelers were able to get in at nine, seven and one last year is because the Browns and the Ravens kind of both went into the tank. So they, they would not have uh, been able to do that. To, to get in there with only nine victories, I think, if, you know, if those other two teams had been what they were supposed to be or what everyone thought they were going to be. So I don't know if, if I don't think nine wins is going to cut it this year. Well, Irie, you get to, to turn the tide here. You said you were going to do give us something positive. You are up with the declarative statement number two. Yeah, well, yeah, but before giving that, I think I probably walked myself into the trap that the legends are going to be like, oh, come on, this guy. I want to clarify. 
my dis my disagree I mean not dis me not dis uh not disagreeing was with regarding Watson and his role coming back and stuff as quarterback and you know they can still make the playoffs are gonna be hard within that but going this coincides with my statement and I I want to do I've been waiting for this I hope that everybody can talk from the grins on my face I've been waiting for this moment my statement is. During Jacoby Bridges' time in the 11 games as starting quarterback with the Browns, at least 11 games for now, he is going to lead them to a winning record. Oh, that's wrong. No, that's a ridiculous <laughs> statement, Irie. How yes. could you say that? Yes. It did last. Yes. I, I tried. The personality transfer, <laughs> it worked for five seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan, Dan, tell me what again when the disagree people don't jump in. And so I should I jump in now to disagree. Well, I mean, you jumped in, so go oh, for sorry. it. <laughs> yeah, no, because I was, I can explain more in my statement, but um, I think a, a lot of things. I think in the end, a lot of times when a primary part of your analysis about a team's success is that their schedule is easy, I think you can fall into a trap. And I just think that a lot of this early on has been like, hey, well, you know, well. While he's in there, they're playing a bunch of, and maybe a couple of those teams are better than you think. And all of a sudden it looks a lot more like four and seven or five and six than a winning record. So six and five is what they'd have to, uh, is what they'd have to get to. And I think I kind of agree with Doug because I, I think Jacoby Brissett is fine, but Irie is giving me the double thumbs down here. I think like Jacoby Brissett is fine, but he just makes these games more of a coin flip. Like, as weird as this is going to sound, you're kind of catching Carolina at the worst time to catch Carolina because Christian McCaffrey hasn't gotten hurt yet. So, like, they're healthy. They've got some guys. You're still a better football team than them, but you just – you never know what's going to happen in a game like that. I think the Browns will win it, but because you aren't sure about the quarterback position and you aren't sure about some stuff at receiver, it, it's a little more of a coin flip. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, six and five is going to be hard, I think. And that's, you know, I can't say the Browns are going to miss the playoffs and then say, yeah, but they're going to go six and five with Jacoby Brissett. I, I can't, I can't put those two things together in my head. Anybody See, agree with Irene? I, I do, but I can put those two things together in my head, Dan. And that's kind of like where I've done the math on this before. I think you split the season up to six and five without Deshaun and then what, six, three and three or whatever, or, Three, I can't do math, Dan. Three and six three. and five. And then I would think to make the playoffs, they'd have to go four and two. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say like something happens and it's hard times adjusting and you go 500. Like, okay, there's your nine wins and potentially missing the playoffs. Um, I do think, like Doug said, some of those games kind of become more of a more of a coin flip, but I don't know, say right now, if you are playing the schedule game, which I admittedly get stuck doing, like Three wins in the first four games to me is still very possible. Um, You do have that tough stretch, obviously, with the Bills. You'll play the Bills without Deshaun. You'll play Tom Brady and the Bucks without Deshaun. So those games are tough after that bye. But the early portion of the schedule, I think, is still friendly to them. A winning record with Jacoby uh, is possible. To me, the ceiling, though, is six and five. Like, it's very possible to me that this thing maybe spirals but it it's like their ceiling to me is that winning record I'm going to say I think I'm going to agree with Irie because I think that um you know I think the first four games as we've mentioned before are, are pretty soft pretty easy uh and I do think that the Browns are going to have a really good defense this year I think they're going to be better than last year 
And I think they're going to do the, the number one thing that I've been saying all along that they really need to do more of, and Ashley's writing some about this too, is, um, is to get those takeaways. And if they win that turnover battle each week, then they're going to win football games. That's what they need to do. And Jacoby Brissett traditionally has not turned the ball over. So if they can get off to a decent start and win a fair amount of those first four games before they get into the gauntlet, uh, then I think there is a chance that they can get to six games, but they will get there on the strength of their running game. And they will get there on the strength of, um, of their defense. But I, so I do think it's possible. I do, I do think it's possible. Um, but you know, I mean, Miles Garrett is just going to have to do what he, uh, you know, says he's going to do. And that's really take his game to the next level and really be a dominant player. If all of those things can happen, then I do think they can get get to six and five under Jacoby Brissett. So I'm going to agree with Irie. Okay, we're going to try and do a little math here. <laughs> and 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 while while, while doing that, because I know sort of guy and whatnot, but I know you say you can make a quick case. So what I'm going to mention is thank you, Mary Kay, for agreeing with me and making those exact points that I also was going to double down on because I. When we talk about the quarterback position, especially with this offense right now, we even said it. There's going to be more of a conservative offense, and they're not. I mean, we're not we're not going to be out there expecting that many forty plus yard balls uh, from Brissett in the air to Schwartz or to Peoples Jones or, or to Cooper. It's always good to have talent at that position, but we know well at the most Brissett is going to be throwing maybe twenty three yards, maybe maybe 23, if it's open pass to Njoku or, or to Brian at that point. There's going to be a lot more of heavy ground game. A lot, I mean, we see the, the ridiculous depth that this team has at the running back position. We know more, there's going to be a lot more of, of the of the passing, uh, you know, QB running back combo to where that little short three-yard pass to, uh, to Johnson or to Hunt, and especially because they don't have any fullbacks. So they're going to use a lot more of that, along with the fact that this is going to be a great opportunity for Nick Chubb to really make an even bigger mark, because I think he's one of the more underrated offensive players in, in the game today. He was second in, in total rushing yards this past season. I know he only had eight touchdowns, but he's spending time with Hunt and, you know, the Ernest Johnson. Let's say the Browns start three and one. OK, let's say like best case scenario. Let, let, I know, Doug, I know you want to. Best case scenario, they're three and one. So they beat the Panthers, they beat the Jets, they beat the Falcons, they lose to the Steelers. Now you got to find me three wins from here on out. And I'm going to tell you who it who it's against. Chargers. That's not a win. Patriots, maybe. At Baltimore, wouldn't feel great. Hosting Cincinnati. Wouldn't feel great. I know we've talked about that matchup. I still wouldn't feel great about that. At Miami, I, I got to see Miami first. I think that's going to be a better football team. Maybe that's one there. At Buffalo versus Tampa. You got to find three wins in there. You got to find three wins mm -hmm. against the Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks. Mm -hmm. I would just All like to re reinforce... I'm just here to reinforce my yelling at Irie when we started it after you read that off. Never. No. <laughs> and that's assuming three and one. It's like, why would we assume three and one? So I, that's, yeah. everybody knows this. I, I get it. I get it. I think it's really, I think it's really tough. You're going to have to play some perfect games defensively, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mary Kay is what you were saying, but I mean, like there's, there's like zero room for error. Right. With some of those games with some of those quarterbacks you're facing. 
It's going to be so hard. I mean, that is a gauntlet. That is a gauntlet of, except for the Patriots with the quarterback, that's a gauntlet of just amazing uh, quarterbacks for the most part. Now, we wouldn't necessarily call Tua an amazing quarterback, but I, you know, that that's not going to be an easy out either. They've got Tyreek now. Uh, they have weapons on that on that team. Uh, but, you know, to, to face some of those quarterbacks in there, um, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, that's, that's a tough gig. That's going to be a tough gig. Now, I mean, I, and look, I can make the case for, for some, I mean, I could make the case that this secondary is going to be amped up to face the Bengals because Jamar Chase and T Higgins and those guys went on a podcast and we're talking all kinds of stuff about them. So like, I, yeah. and you know, we saw what they did last year against that group, but um, I, I was, there's pieces a- you can make. It's just, again, when your quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett and not Deshaun Watson, it's just a whole, like it becomes that coin flip. And a lot of these games, you're kind of at a disadvantage. I was just going to bring up the Bengals really quick in that matchup because I've kind of been operating with the six and five number, kind of assuming like maybe they don't get both that Baltimore and that Cincinnati game, but I think they're going to get one of them. And I think it's going to probably be the Bengals because that that's one at home, right? Yes. That's one at home. That's one at home. They match up really well against them. Greg Newsom's going to have this those quotes taped in his locker from Jamar Chase, you know, and they they just matched up really well with them last year. They totally shut Jamar Chase down, and obviously that's not going to be a given. But I think we've talked so many of our discussions last year about this defense was that for whatever reason they just match up really well with Cincinnati. That that just is a disadvantage for the Bengals for for whatever reason. We'll see if they do something to work on it this year, but. Cleveland had a, a clear advantage last year, in my opinion. Even that, though, is still a big if because we only saw it once. Mm-hmm. Right. And that because was during a tough – that was during a weird stretch for the Bengals. But I do think the Browns are built to to stop a pass-heavy team like Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that – I mean, Jamar Chase, I doubt he's going to let that happen again, and I think that's probably why he put some things out there, uh, you know, publicly – maybe to, to get himself up for that matchup heading into this season uh, because, you know, they rattled him as, you know, they rattled him in that game and they took him out. And I, and I think that it rattled at that time, it seemed to rattle both Joe Burrow and and Jamar chase that they just, they couldn't get anything done against the Browns. And I I think they're going to be very determined to make sure that that does not happen again. Yeah. I think it comes down to, this was Doug's, I think Doug's point. You got no room for error. So like you should still beat the Patriots because like they've got Matt Patricia and Joe judge calling plays. I don't know what they're doing there, right? Like you should still beat them, but the Patriots are never a gimme. So that that's, that's where it gets dicey. Did we, did we gang up on Irie again? Oh yeah. No. Sure. We definitely did. I yeah. want it. And, and, and you know what? I'm a double down. I'm going to double down while we at it, okay? Because number one, I, I you can't see it. I know it's audio, but I, as I have here, I have Doug, no. I have Doug, no. I have Ashley. I'm at Dan, taking no. notes. I have, I have actually yeah. no. I have Mary Kay, yes. Oh, no, I double- said yes. I'd like, I, I'm firmly okay. on the six oh. and five train. Okay. All right, my bad. I got Ashley, yes. I'm going to double down real quick before we move on because where I'm from, and Doug, you know where I'm from, I understand oh, yeah. the power of the backup quarterback. I understand what a backup quarterback can do. And I'm going to give Jacoby the benefit of the doubt. This is the best team that he's played with in his career. 
His first full season as a starter, four and eleven. Second, seven and eight with the you know Indianapolis team that Andrew Luck retired on after. I mean, would you rather have seen Jacoby or freaking Rat? Uh, what's his name? Brian Hoyer started that season <laughs> over Jacoby. I mean, th- come on now, give give or take. That's and, it's a binary choice. You know, yeah, yeah. Look, I, it's it's a it's a, I know I can't say eleven games, but it's eleven games, not the full seventeen. We don't need him to go out there and be Tom Brady. I just we just need him to be fit. Maybe sixty percent of of Rich Gannon's O2 MVP season. Just give me sixty percent of that, Jacoby, and we're good. That's all I need. I, I I like the fact that Irie is keeping receipts and that one of them has my name on it. I love, I, it. I, I, I love it. I'm sure I'm going to have to pay that off. I'm I, have I also think we're at have the to right have... time, Doug. You came in at the right time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We're, we're going to have to have a, a weekly Irie Rich Gannon meter too. Like what percentage <laughs> of O2 Rich Gannon was Jacoby Brissett this week? I love it. All right, let's move on. Our draft pick generator sends it to Doug. So you guys know that I love you and I miss you when I'm not on the pod, but I miss this pod the most when Anthony Schwartz was dropping passes. And I almost just wanted to like, can I call in? What can I do? Can I drop in out of the sky so I can talk about Anthony Schwartz being a terrible football player? Really quick though, can I say, I did want to call you when we did our 53 man roster draft and Dan and Mary Kay made the case for Blake Hans. And I said, Somewhere Doug is screaming Hans. right now and he doesn't know why. And it's because people are advocating for Blake Hans. So I know those are your two favorite guys to talk about. So we'll I will say when the, when the Browns roster cuts came out, I looked at the names and I went to myself, Hans. So I, I, I knew that was going to happen. So I my declarative statement is while Jacoby Brissett is out, they're going to have a hard time throwing the ball. So I didn't, I didn't while get the show, While Deshaun Watson is out. While Deshaun Watson is out, while Jacoby Brissett, yes, is the starting quarterback, they will have a very difficult time throwing the ball. I I didn't come up with a statistical measurement of that, but I guess it's more your eyeballs will tell you. And we did a podcast a couple months ago where we determined, I think, that Jacoby Brissett, the Browns quarterback room behind the starter, was the second or third best in the league. He's a good start. He's a good backup. He's a bad starter. If we were going to do so, he's the starter for 11 games. Is he the worst starting quarterback in the NFL? Is no. he is he 29th? I don't know. If you had 11 games, would they have Daniel Jones or Jacoby Brissett to start and get, get game planned for? I don't know. Is he 28th? What is he? He's much higher than that. He's like, and he's a sure no. When you look at the four games to start the season, that's the easy schedule they should dominate. Baker Mayfield, they're going to be lucky that they get Joe Flacco, it seems like, instead of Zach Wilson in week two. Marcus Mariota as the starter in Atlanta, and Atlanta has a lot of other problems. And then I guess Mitch Trubisky. How many games do they, are they winning the quarterback matchup in that game? And like the roster for the Browns is much better than the roster for the Falcons, but he's a bad starter. And so for eleven games, we're not talking about what a good backup he is. He is a good backup. He's a bad starter. Can the Browns throw the ball with one of the four worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Can they go? six and five with one of the four worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I just want, that's the conversation that we're having. I, I don't know that they could have done better than Jacoby Brissett, but this is where we are for 11 games, not six, I think. And then the thing that the point that has been made a lot, Deshaun Watson will lift the level of this receiver core. Okay. While he's out, have people gained or lost confidence in this receiver group over the course of the preseason? I know we had conversations in the off season, like, Hey, Baker was so injured. Baker was so bad. They just need competence in quarterback. And that's enough. I've backed off that idea that I don't know that competence is going to be enough. Cause I don't know 
who's going to lift the level of the passing game. So I just think it's going to look ugly throwing the ball for 11 games. So does anyone, does anyone have a Kevin Stefanski statement? I guess when we talk about who's going to lift the level of the passing game, we know who Jacoby Brissett is. I do like if Jacoby Brissett would have started in green Bay last year, the Browns might've won that game because all they needed to do is stop throwing the ball to the Packers. So there are situations like that where this team is going to be better off. I think it's, I think this is sort of on Kevin Stefanski to figure out if this passing game is going to get elevated to figure out how to do it. So whether that's, I'm going to find a way to use Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. I'm going to find ways to get Amari Cooper the ball in certain ways. I'm going to figure out some way to make Anthony Schwartz useful. I'm going to make whatever it is. I'm going to figure out this isn't going to be the best passing game in the NFL. This might not be the 15th best passing game in the NFL, but I'm going to figure out a way to make this passing game work because I'm an offensive genius. And that's what I do. I think it's on Kevin Stefanski to do that to, to an extent. And I'm not saying this has to be the chiefs, but it's got to look, it's got to look competent and he's, he's got to figure out a way to unlock that. You know, I've seen examples in the past where you don't have a very good quarterback and you win games and you even get to maybe the NFC championship game. And sometimes you even get to the Super Bowl and you win it. I've seen that happen in the past. I saw it with the Ravens and Trent Dilfer uh, when they had an incredibly dominant defense. Uh, we saw Case Keenum take the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. So it can be done, but we are in the midst of a renaissance in quarterback play in the NFL right now. It has been dynamite for the last two or three years, right? I mean, just off the charts. And you really need to have one of those guys, which of course is the whole reason the Browns are in the situation that they're in right now with Deshaun Watson. They sold the farm and maybe their souls and everything else uh, to, to get a guy like that, that can take you to the promised land. Uh, so I don't know if those days still exist where you can uh, go as far as you want to go without a really, really good quarterback. But if you're going to do it, it is going to take uh, some masterful coaching. And the thing about this offense, and I've seen it before in this offense, this is a very quarterback-friendly offense, very, very quarterback-friendly. This offense, run by Kyle Shanahan, now run by Kevin Stefanski, the Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense, uh, generally you can take uh, a decent quarterback and he ends up with good numbers. It's, it's what this offense does for a quarterback. Will it happen in this case? We don't know yet. We, we don't know how defenses are going to play Jacoby Brissett, um, but it, it can be done in this particular uh, quarterback-friendly offense with a lot of play action, uh, a lot of tricking it up, a lot of, if you have to go back to, you know, using a couple of tight ends, there might even be times again in the Jacoby Brissett era where you see three tight ends or you know, some mix, you know, a heavier type of an offense with uh, multiple backs and multiple tight ends and different types of formations like that. Um, but the key is obviously for Jacoby Brissett to not turn the ball over. As you were mentioning, Dan, there were games that could have been won last year. The Browns could have won a couple more games 
if they had not turned the ball over as many times as they did in those games. So if Jacoby really does, really does protect the football, and that's not going to be easy if you're going to try to throw it to like an Anthony Schwartz who's in the mental tank right now. Like you have to be sure of where you're throwing that football right now. You've got to know that you have reliable targets. And I don't think they have enough of those right now. There's too many young guys in the receiving court. And I think they, they really left themselves short on veteran wide receivers. I've been saying it forever. Uh, I, I think at a time like this, you just need somebody to be so sure-handed because you can't count on Jacoby Brissett to elevate the play of the receiving core. You can't do that. Deshaun was good. That was Deshaun's role. That's not going to be Jacoby's role. You have to help Jacoby. Uh, but if he can, if he can get the ball into the hands of some people who he can really trust, and that might be Kareem Hunt, that might be David Njoku, that might be Harrison Bryant, that might be Amari Cooper. I mean, there are enough guys on the team that can catch the football uh, that you should be able to have some semblance of a passing game. Uh, going to be tough, though. It, it's going to be tough because you also have to be able to stretch the field so they're not crashing the box and all of that. So. Kevin Stefanski does have a challenge before him, but it can be done. Irie, you've you've sort of touched on this with Jacoby and the passing game. I mean, what what does it look like if it's successful? Regarding uh, like you mean like like touchdown to interception numbers, Just, or... you know whether whether it's a stat or whether it's like this is what I'm seeing. Like what what are you looking at and saying like like. I'll tell you what, give me, give me a ranking. Give me like a, a yards per game ranking that you uh, think oh, is, is reasonable and successful with Jacoby Brissett. Like what if they're 14th? I'll, I'll give you, no, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give, I'll give you a certain yards, you know, per, and it's not going to come from a lot of me you know, deep pads. It's going to be more so the shorter pass option. But I mean, we, I mean, we saw it in this game on Saturday where he was 12 for 19 in the first half for 95 yards. That, that I believe is going to be majority of what we see throughout the season from him. So I'll give you a number. I'll, I'll say 130. I'll say 130 at least. Anything else after that is a bonus, but, but I'll, I'll start it at 130. I sound like, I, I sound like, uh, like, like Pawn stars right now. 130. That's the best I can do. For you. <laughs> what? 130, what? 130, 130 yards passing which, yards per game. Which kind of yeah, goes yeah. with your thing, Doug. I mean, that, that seems to be an agreement oh, with Doug. That's two and nine. 130 per game? Yes. As a starter. As a, as starting and then going off from there. Oh. Oh, no. Now I feel even worse. Anything under, no. anything yeah. two, under 200 is a little... Ugh. So I just want to make sure Dan sort of took this in, in a Kevin Stefanski direction very quickly. And just before we get yeah. off this topic and move on, I just want to make sure it was my birthday the other day. So if we could do this just for a minute as a birthday present to me, could everyone <laughs> just chime in on why they think Anthony Schwartz is bad at football? <laughs> We're not going to bully Anthony oh, Schwartz. Poor right. Anthony Schwartz. I haven't even gotten what? to talk uh, about this topic this yet. We're not going to transition we, into bullying is Anthony. He so, is he getting a check? I don't understand. What's the deal? <laughs> what did I miss? He's going through enough. I think I think Mary Kay. I think Mary Kay said it. It's he's he's just mentally in the tank. Yeah. I've been saying that. I really think it's like it's mostly mental because there's just no explanation for some of these plays at this point. Like, like there's like, no physical explanation for why this is happening. If you're like, watching what? him, like he's not playing fast, and that's what he needs to do. And that just tells me he's not. Maybe he's not trusting what he's seeing when he has the ball in his hands. I mean, he's, he ran that route the other night and just got flattened by a linebacker. And I mean, that's it led, led to an interception. 
it's just things like that. And they're just, you know, unfortunately, and, and this is what the Browns do. They are committed to developing guys. They're going to have to put the kid gloves on him or they're going to have to put the kid gloves on and try to slowly bring him along. But unfortunately, that's going to leave you a guy short in that wide receiver room. When they put the kid gloves on, could they make him extra sticky so he can catch stuff? <laughs> you so know, he's I think- so bad. We've gone from like, how can he help the Browns till we feel sorry for him because he's bad at football? That's how bad it is. Well, I just think like when you have these guys who do obviously go through a lot, I think it's just clear from watching him every day in practice and then watching what's happening in these games and some of these drops, like it, there just has to be something besides his physical abilities that is causing this. And and maybe it doesn't get better. And then that's a problem, but I just think with all the time he missed last year, like I'm, I'm understanding of why the Browns as an organization are so loyal to these draft picks and how they try to think towards the future. And maybe Anthony Schwartz doesn't pan out. Like I certainly think that's a possibility, but I'm also just think with him after watching him that so much of this is mental. What can you do to fix that? You know, things like sports psychology, things like that. If that is the case, Um, and he maybe deserves a chance to work on that because again, when you watch him and especially like that drop against the bears where it just, it went between both hands and hit him in the chest. Like, yeah, maybe in a year or two from now, that's just who Anthony Schwartz is going to be, but I still am kind of inclined to believe that it's basically like the football equivalent of having the yips in baseball. Like that's what it looks like when I'm watching him out there. He's he's at a crossroads. He's at a crossroads. Nobody knows if he's going to make it or if he's not going to make it. And that is the absolute truth right now. It's going to be up to him. And I don't know what they're going to have to be able to do that to, you know, to help him try to get out of this thing, or maybe he can't get out of this thing. Maybe he's not good enough. One of the things that I don't think he is right now is physically tough enough as well as mentally tough enough. I think he's got, uh, I think he hears footsteps. I think he's not aggressive enough on his route running. I think he's playing scared. I think he plays a little bit fearful. I, I, you know, I just don't know uh, that he is, you know, physically, physically tough enough. I feel like he, he lets people intimidate him. He lets defenders intimidate him on the field. And until he gets that figured out, then I don't think he's going to be able to, you know, to be very productive at all. And they can't put him out there right now when he's like this. I mean, and they, they, they might try, they might try, but until he works through his uh, physical and mental issues that he, he, he can't be out there right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is I don't know. I don't know how you use him at this point. I, I don't know what you do with him. That is a problem. Like, like I don't yeah. like you can't send him on go route. Like that ball against Chicago was a tough play. But if you're the fast guy who's running the go routes, you got to figure out a way to get under that ball and catch it. And he didn't do it. You can't get him the ball quick and let him run because he doesn't look fast when he has the ball in his hands and he's got to catch the ball. And he's struggling with that. You can't put him on slants because we saw what happened, right? Like that's this is probably in my mind i'm more on you i'm more on your end of this dog i think like we're to a point where like it's 90 percent, and that's being nice that this is just going to be a missed pick but that was, like that was i, the best, I, best I also I and i've said this before i completely understand 
why they don't want to bail on a guy they took. Was he a top 100 pick? A guy they took in the top 100 like 16 months after they picked him. I understand that because that's this organization's philosophy. But part of that is also just because there's nobody else in that receiver room that was like, you got to keep that guy. That guy right there forced his way onto the roster and forced Anthony Schwartz off of it. So he should, he should be very thankful that the Browns didn't beef up this receiver room too, too much. He was but a top, I read you were going to say something. He was a top 100 pick, 90, 91st overall. Did look that up. And for anyone watching Hard Knocks, it was interesting, the episode where they heavily featured Amon Ra St. Brown. He listed off every single receiver drafted <laughs> before him, and Anthony Schwartz was one of those guys. And they, it was kind of a very cool sequence. If you're watching this season, they you know, were editing him listing it and the actual picks being made. So they did. Miles Garrett made an appearance in this year's Hard Knocks because he is the one who announced that pick in Cleveland. Well, oddly enough, you know, they've done a better job of finding receivers in the sixth round so far, it seems, right? I mean, they came over. Yep. Including, including a running back. Including yeah. a running back. Um, you know, so they are doing a better job there. I mean, now David Bell looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, and he's a third rounder. But, I mean, they came up with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. And they came up with. Michael Woods in the sixth round. And, and I think Michael Woods is going to be good. Um, Anthony is, is right there right now. I mean, it's, it's like make or break time. And right now it doesn't look good. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get it together and it's going to have to be up to him. But right now I I have to say like, he's got a lot to overcome. Irie, go ahead. I want to give my my two cents on this. I'm sure the listeners are thinking, oh, God, I don't want to hear his voice. That's what I don't care. Listen to this. Schwartz right now is a project player. That's what he is. He's a project. He's only one year into, into his career. Uh, this is a guy that, and we've seen it because that's what everybody talked about. He's a speedy guy. The guy was was running in all types of invitationals and state chips and world championships and stuff. I think there is a difference between football players and guys that play football. Right now, he's a guy that that's what happens to play football. Not saying that he can't become a football player, but right now he's a project. And unlike Kellen Mond and what they did in Minnesota, they're not going to give give up on him after his rookie year. They're going to give him one more year. But this year, America, he said, this is his window. This is one of the, the show, hey, I can actually compete in this league and I can actually be solid and valuable to this team. Right now, whether it was two drops or, I, I, mean, I mean, whether it was, uh, six drops or something of that sort, or two drops in the preseason games. Not looking good either way. It's not. So, I, I'm sure I'm not stealing anyone's statement, but one of the things I was thinking about putting out there was like the Browns might regret not just staying at 44 and taking Please a really great it. receiver. Say it. Just no. Can I wait, say? Wait. The, the, Okay, go ahead. Go, 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 no, 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 no. Building please, up in my body. I, I, Please go, go, go. I, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. When I, when I think ahead. about the combination of Anthony Schwartz as a third round pick and them passing on the opportunity to take George Pickens at 44. Every time George Pickens does something good in Pittsburgh. And I think about Anthony Schwartz, I want to throw my laptop out the window. It makes me want to stop watching football. I'm trying to be a better person. And the combination of Anthony Schwartz in Cleveland and George Pickens in Pittsburgh is making that impossible. I mean, Doug, you're, Sorry. Just for for to back you up on this, I mean, Dan and I talk about this at least once a week that Thank they're going to have to see George Pickens How? twice a year, and he might destroy I, them twice a year for like the next eight years if they're unlucky. You know, I I love the David Bell pick. I think yeah. David Bell is going to catch a million footballs. 
I also yeah. worry that you passed on an opportunity to take a, dy- a dynamic guy in George Pickens. And I still think Sky Moore this year with Kansas yeah. City. Now that just might be because he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. But I, I think he's he's going to make some Browns fans wonder why they didn't take a guy like that too. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with, 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 you know, every comment from all of you. But, you know, the one thing that the Browns will possibly regret and this, this is going to be funny because, Doug, this is your first time, you know, here with me and stuff on the show. Everybody else knows. More than likely, they're going to regret and give Mike Harley a, a better oh, chance boy. and a bigger role. <laughs> you see? You see? You see? All I right. thought about Schwartz and he could have, uh, you know, what do I know? We're, take, we're taking a break after that. <laughs> Mike Harley is leading us into our commercial break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, uh, Mary Kay and Ashley will give us their declarative statements. Hey, Orange and Brown Talk listeners, are you diehard Browns fans? Of course you are. You're listening to this podcast, so you should join us for a free live Orange and Brown Talk podcast on September 7th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. in person at the Music Box Supper Club in the Flats. Hear from Cleveland.com sports writers, you know me, Mary Kay, Ashley, Irie, Doug will be there uh, as we discuss the upcoming season, hot topics, and analysis. This event has limited seats available, so get your tickets at musicboxcle.com slash event slash orange and brown talk. There's a dash in between each of those words in orange and brown talk. So again, that's musicboxcle.com slash event slash orange and brown talk with dashes in between orange and brown talk. Uh, another way to find it, tinyurl.com slash orangebrown22, all one word. Hope you join us again on September 7th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Music Box Supper Club. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, Ashley Bastock, Doug Maurice. All right, uh, hold on. I got to pull up my draft order. I don't want to go out of order. I don't want to shortchange anybody. Ashley, you are up. So I've been thinking about this very hard over the last like hour or so and coming up with the prediction that I wanted to put out there. But you know what? I've kind of been thinking about this on some level ever since Saturday. I really have started to think about it more. I think we're going to see Josh Dobbs start some games. I am infatuated with this idea. I think it's going to take a lot for Kevin Stefanski to consider this because I don't think he's willy-nilly willing to just take a risk like that. Jacoby Brissett is reliable in, in some ways, but... Joshua Dobbs, when you watch him out there, is much more dynamic, much more mobile. And yes, he has a small sample size. And I already know that Doug is going to come at me with a small sample size and only having thrown like 10 NFL passes. But maybe the Browns just happen to have found something here. I don't know. And I just kind of think if things start to go bad with Jacoby and maybe you're like six or seven games in and hey, like, we have two wins and this just isn't working. What do you have to lose at that point? I mean, Jimmy G's not coming here. So like, what's your backup plan at that point? And I think Josh Dobbs went out there in the preseason and made a case for why, you know, he definitely made the case for why he's a decent backup for right now. While Deshaun Watson is out, he's a smart guy. I don't think he, we would see him make a ton of mistakes. Now, granted, everything he's gone up against has been preseason it's, you know, it's preseason football. You're not going up against the ones in a lot of cases, but I don't know. I can foresee this happening. I can see, I think it's definitely a possibility that we see Josh Dobbs start. And at the very least, what I can definitely say, 
is that Twitter is going to be clamoring for it about six games in. All right, Mary Kay, this is where we're going to clear out for a second. We're going to tell our buddy Scott Petrak to fast forward through this part. <laughs> Bye, Scott. And I'm so sorry. Doug has not heard. Doug has not. I don't think Doug has heard this yet. I don't know if you agree with Ashley or not, but at least make your case here for maybe why Josh Dobbs should maybe should get some playing time. Well, Ashley had told me before we left Berea that she her declarative statement was going to be that Miles Garrett was oh, going to yeah. be NFL well, Defensive said, Player of the Year. I said, I said, if you don't, you maybe you want that. You're the <laughs> one who's kind of been on that train. But also, then I just kind of started thinking about Josh. Dobbs. I was like, it's more so, exciting, and I don't, I don't know, Defensive Player of the Year prediction kind of boring. Too hard to predict. I don't know if I would 100% stand by it, even though I think Miles <laughs> is capable of it. There's a lot that has to happen with other people. So sorry to switch it up on you, Mary Kay. No, that's okay. So <laughs> mine was going to be about Joshua Dobbs. So I'm just going to use it here too. And we'll just have to use Mary Kate and Ashley's all yes. together. <laughs> um, so mine was going to be what I ta- what I've been talking about on our podcast. And you're right, Dan, we need uh, Scott Petrak to fast forward through this. But my declarative statement is, that Joshua Dobbs should be should receive a package of plays for many games, maybe most games this season, and that they should have him available as a changeup. I really think that they should do that. Uh, I think that that kind of takes the uh, the pressure off of Jacoby Brissett a little bit, and uh, it it keeps defenses on their toes. It's going to give defenses two different quarterbacks that they have to prepare for and two different styles. And if you know that you have got a running dual threat quarterback that can just at any given moment, take off with the ball and you can have some designed runs and do some different things like that. uh, Then you give that defense a lot to think about during the week. So I am giving Joshua Dobbs a pack of package of plays every single week. And I will, would try to use him at least some every single week. And that is my declarative statement. I've, I've been watching Doug's face react. I'm going to wait a little, I want, I want to wait just a little longer to hear from Doug. Irie, where are you on all this? Uh, I'm back. All right. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, I, I think I like the points that were made from both Ashley and Mary Kay. I think he will be effective start games or be called to be a starter into the, into the first six games as possible. It's very possible because it, as much as, as I've hyped up Brissa within you know, the last 10 minutes, I mean, he, he still is kind of a coin. It was one way or the other. But I do think there'll be more of, of starts in the, sec, you know, in the second half for like a different change of pace with Dobbs because then the other team will be going, going into, you know, whoever they play going into the second half with that thought of, all right, or whatever else to look for with Brissette or stopping him. And then, boom, you have another di- different type of uh, style and a pace that you have to stop from Joshua Dobbs. So it was very effective, we saw, in those games. Especially, and I, I for example, even the game uh, versus the Eagles, I believe it was, he was, every single point that was scored was when he was in the game. And then Josh Rosen came and well, you know, you know the story from there. But, yes, yeah, it's going to be very productive, especially when it comes to a, a package of plays and pass option and, second half starter is what I see with them right now. All right, Doug, I can't tell if you're intrigued or angry. Oh, I'm both as always. (laughs) Uh, 
I, I think the idea of Joshua Dobbs potentially coming to save the Browns offense pairs very nicely with what we said at the beginning, which is they're going to miss the playoffs. So it's a sixth year guy who's thrown 17 career passes and he's like the secret component to save the Browns. But I don't disagree with it. I don't disagree with the package idea. I don't disagree with the, hey, we're two and five. What else are we going to do? But I think it also tells us where we are. here. What are we talking about? What? Are we, this guy has been in the, is he Kurt Warner? Was he bagging groceries and they're going to make a movie about him eventually? Maybe. Because the NFL. The rocket nobody, scientist who became an NFL know, quarterback. They what love this Disney, guy. Get the Disney execs on the phone right now. College people love this guy. He was a combine darling. He has everything you want. And through five years in the league, nobody thinks he can play. So maybe the whole league has missed and he's a fourth rounder who has thrown 17 passes in five years. Maybe, maybe the Browns, maybe Deshaun Watson is here for the Browns to stumble backwards into miracle quarterback, Joshua Dobbs and Deshaun Watson with his 230 million guaranteed dollars will watch from the sidelines as Joshua Dobbs leads the Browns to a Super Bowl title next year. You know, you know the, thing, the thing about um, about Joshua Dobbs and thinking that you would have to do that, I mean, you're basically saying what you have there isn't going to be good enough in Jacoby Brissett. Yes. And so that you've got to trick it up. Yes. And that's all I'm saying. Like, yes, you're yeah. going to have to trick it up. I would have gone out and gotten Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think I would have rather um, the Browns had him on the roster, at least somebody that that has been to the Super Bowl and has been to the NFC Championship game and has won a lot of football games and that you know that at least you're giving the illusion that you have somebody on the roster that has been there and that has done it and that can get the job done, especially in an offense like this. So I would have done that. I would have done it a while ago. I would have traded for uh, I would have traded for Jimmy G, and but I wouldn't have paid him $24.2 million. No, I mean, I would have given him about what he's getting now. I would have given him you know, six and a half million dollars with incentives to get more. That's exactly what I would have done. And I'm pretty sure that I've written that numerous times, but you didn't do that. You did not do that. So you're going to have to do this with smoke and mirrors to a degree. And again, it's a quarterback friendly offense. So, you know, maybe Jacoby Brissett will look better in this offense. And he's never really had uh, somebody probably quite as good as Amari Cooper and just, you know, an offensive line that's pretty good, you know, really good. And as many things around him as he will have. Um, but that's what I mean. You have to, you're going to have to trick it up to get the job done. And I'm not saying that Joshua Dobbs is, you know, this unearthed gem that nobody else knew anything about. I just think that he brings a skill set that they're, that they should try to utilize. Yeah, I'm that's my my... Thing. It's just that, you know, like, like Mary Kay said, it's not that he's some necessarily some, you know, huge, untapped talent that no one in the NFL has ever seen before except you know Andrew Barry saw it now or whatever to bring him in it is just the fact it's like based on what we've seen on the field and you can I think do some more creative things with him and maybe it just gets to that point where you know I agree with Mary Kay's statement like even if he doesn't start he should be in there at some point but if you do transition to him as a starter like there's certain things we saw in those preseason games that yeah, I can see a world in which that happens if the Jacoby experiment is not going super well. It just seems like with Jacoby Brissett, you know what you're getting. You know exactly what you're getting. With Joshua Dobbs, there is some unknown there. And I get why for a guy like Kevin Stefanski, that unknown might not be a good thing sometimes. But 
it might not be the worst thing. Sometimes being known is like not so good in this league. I would I, like to change my declarative statement to Joshua Dobbs will lead the Browns to the Super Bowl in 2024. <laughs> but also, I completely agree with everything Mary Kay and Ashley are saying. Clearly, and what you, if they do this, it's from desperation mm-hmm. because that's where they are, because this is the place they put themselves. And I yeah. think Ashley just made a really good point. There was a time in the offseason and during the six games where I thought, you know exactly what Jacoby Brissett is, and with everything else around him, that's good enough. And the combination of six becoming 11 and the way some things have looked in the preseason, it's not that Jacoby Brissett has changed. It's that the context has changed. And I've come around to the idea of exactly what Jacoby Brissett is, is not good enough. And that's why I have a little bit changed my view on how I sort of view this offense, view Brissett, view the Browns, because it's everything else that has happened. And the fact that they need them for twice as long as they maybe thought they did. Wait, can I ask something though, real quick? And Dan, I'll, I'll get in and out of this really quick because I know you have something that you want to say. Um, do you guys, I mean, I don't think we can base what we've seen in these preseason games on what this offense is going to be capable of by any stretch of the imagination because we have not seen Nick Chubb. I mean, they, they are sandbagging. I mean, they, yeah. they have not played Nick Chubb. They haven't played Kareem Hunt. They play, haven't played Amari Cooper. They haven't thrown the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones hardly at all. Um, they haven't had their full offensive line. Now there are some issues on that offensive line, admittedly. Um, so it's not necessarily what it's going to be halfway through the season or towards the end of the season, but I don't think it's as bad as it looked when, when Jacoby Brissett was out there playing against the bears, he's not going to try to have Anthony Schwartz be his number one target and keep going to that. Well, he's going to throw the ball to. Harrison Bryant and David Njoku and Amari Cooper and Kareem Hunt and a lot of other people. So I think it's going to be better than people think it is, but I still think it's okay to trick it up at times. I, I agree with that. And that kind of goes with, with another, what I kind of wanted to, to say when we talk about the team that's around Jacoby, um, obviously he was missing all those guys, but I also think there's concerns like, see this, this is where my whole, First, the Browns aren't going to make the playoff statement came from. It was sort of watching practice videos today and seeing like Jacoby Brissett and then Josh Dobbs and then Josh Rosen and then Kellen Mond. And I'm like, God, this feels like 20, I don't know, 14 or so 2013 or something. Like they're just trying to find the guy at quarterback. But on top of that, like you're down to Ethan Pochich at center already. We don't know if Jack Conklin, like I have, maybe Kevin is just, being Kevin and like, he's going to take it up until Friday to tell us, Hey, Jack Conklin's back and he's ready to go, but we don't know what he's going to be when he's on the field. And if, when he's going to be on the field again, we don't know about Jedrick Wills. So I agree with you, Mary Kay. Like we can't judge this offense because it is based so much around Nick Chubb and cream hunt and Amari Cooper. And, and like, those are your big, that's your big three, but also like, I'm a little nervous about, one of the areas of strength on this team. And that's supposedly the offensive line. But now you're like, your starting center's gone. You're starting right tackle. I don't know. You're starting left tackle. He's he's got to prove it this year. There's there's some real questions up there. And that's that's just why it's hard for me to see this team. It just feels like we're at a point where everything has to go right. Doug, didn't you say that earlier? Like everything kind of has to go right. And if the wrong guy gets hurt, you can say this for any team in the NFL, the Titans just lost Harold Landry today to an ACL. That, that's absolutely brutal for them. <clears throat> yeah. If the wrong guy goes down to injury for any team, it kills you. But when you're 
kind of trying to grind through these 11 games and you're not perfect at quarterback and you've got some questions at receiver and, and on your O-line, man, the wrong guy goes down. You're in some real trouble. That's well said. But what about the fact that let's kick this around for two seconds, shall we? I mean, what about the fact that these guys, I'm talking about the Kyle Shanahan's and the Kevin Stefanski's, that they have gotten really good quarterback play out of above average or average quarterbacks and that they get good stats out of those guys in this system. It's a system uh, that can make star running backs out of anybody and really good quarterbacks out of anybody that they throw a lot of touchdown passes. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. They end up with a pretty high rating. Uh, and maybe Jacoby Brissett is going to look better in this very, very QB friendly system than he has lately. Thoughts? I, I think it could. And I think that goes back to what I said to Doug's point is like, Kevin's got to figure this out. Like, you know, maybe that's a little on. Well, it's not unfair. He's the head coach of the football team. It's mm-hmm. like, you've got a good roster, right? He's, He's got to figure this out. Like with Baker last year, it sort of felt like you throw your hands up and say, what am I, what, what can I do? Yeah. You can't do that this year. You've, you've got to try and win as many games as you can with Jacoby Brissett. And he's, he's got to figure that out. Irie, I mean, is there a world where, I mean, I feel like I keep asking you to put like parameters around Jacoby here, but I mean, is there a world spent, where we just spent nine minutes on why Jacoby Brissett is terrible. Irie, why is that wrong? <laughs> is, is there a world where Kevin makes Jacoby look like, I don't know. Baker a couple years ago? It it, it don't even gotta be Baker. I mean, keep in mind, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be be the one to backtrack like Baker did yesterday. I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) But I am going to say Jacoby has always been the type of a quarterback where he's not gonna go out and just create these opportunities from scratch. He is going to be as good as the roster that he is with. We've seen that in previous seasons. We saw it in Indianapolis, we saw that in Miami. And I don't mean to bring those teams up multiple times, but look at the guys around him on this roster. Regardless of the fact of them coming out of rehab, of them be, uh, not, not playing at all in preseason, us at the most only seeing them play at 50% uh, uh, pace and walkthroughs or seeing them in joint practices with the Eagles. I mean, come on now. Do we really think Jacoby would not take advantage of the roster that he is around? Stefanski is going to make it work now. Doug, I, th- I think you've been the most pessimistic, I guess, if that's fair, about Stefanski on these pods. Oh, that's very fair. <laughs> so can he make it work? Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of, you know, in the best situations, your quarterback answers questions. And they're in a situation, I think, where, you know, Jacoby Brissett is creating questions. With If Deshaun Watson at his best, it's like, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about that. What are you going to do? It's like, well, then just let Deshaun Watson be Deshaun Watson. I... I'm not saying that Kevin Stefanski isn't an offensive genius. I'm just not, I don't have proof. It feels like to me that he is. So that's, so maybe, but I'm not assuming it. So that's where my pessimism comes in that, yes, all these things are true, but that's where I was going to go, Dan, you know, Nick Harris is already out. And I don't know if the, you know, the Kareem contract stuff is just a bump and it's over and it's nothing and it's gone. Or if there's anything that affects that, but the receivers outside of Murray Cooper, I don't think have, develop maybe as optimistically as people thought they would. And so I, the tackle, you're exactly right, Dan. I, there's a lot of, okay, okay, well, that this, this, this. I just think that might be too much for Kevin. And again, he's got to lead the whole team. 
he's got to be more than just a guy who makes up a game plan. So he has all those other things to think about. And he also has been dealing with the most controversial subject in the NFL since March. And also, by the way, don't forget to be an offensive genius. That's a lot. And I'm not feeling sorry for him, but I'm questioning if he's going to be able to do it. I got a question. You know what? You bring up the, the word question, Doug. I got a question because, you know, most of you here have, have been longer, of course, and whatnot. How do we compare the treatment right now? And yes, he suspected before, but how do we just compare the treatment by the media and by others on Jacoby compared to other quarterbacks in the last 20 years? So like, like Tim Couch or, or Colt McCoy. I don't know. Well, I don't think the expectations are super high for him, right? Are people, are we putting too much on Jacoby? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think everybody has realistic expectations of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I, I, I think people understand that he's supposed to be a game manager, that he's supposed to hold down the fort, that he's not supposed to turn the ball over, that he's supposed to use the jumbo-y type offense with a lot of tight ends and running backs, and uh, that he, can, he should occasionally uh, try to hit the explosive play, which they're going to have to do. I mean, you have to be able to somehow do that. I think they can do it with the tight ends though. If they can't get that done with, um, with Anthony Schwartz. And right now I don't think they can, I still think they have enough guys that you can hit the explosive play to, And that would be uh, Harrison, David, Amari and Donovan people's Jones. So I think they're going to be, they should be okay in that regard. Uh, but let me just say real super quick. There's three things I would have done on this football team to get ready for this season. I would have traded for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I would have re-signed Sheldon Richardson and I would have signed Cole Beasley. Uh, I think Cole Beasley would have given you a surefire, uh, sure-handed, experienced veteran receiver who's going to catch the ball for you. Uh, those are three things that I would have done. And I think that uh, they would have been able to get the job done with, with those three. Ashley, are we being fair to Jacoby? I feel like this conversation has gone so far down a different rabbit hole. I, know, I don't even yeah. remember I, where it started. I'm sorry. It's fine. That's what podcasts are for. Uh, no, I think I actually think we're being more than fair to Jacoby. I think, especially Mary Kay, I think you were one of the first um, beat reporters to point out that this is probably a better roster than he's ever had around him. So he might have, you know, a decent chance to make some of these things happen. I, I think we're fair for him. I, again, I think at this point in Jacoby Brissett's career, everyone knows who Jacoby Brissett is. He is a great locker room guy. He is a great game manager. He is a solid backup quarterback. It's just a matter of, can this guy keep you afloat in a tough AFC in the playoff race. And I don't know the answer to that. Like I said, I'm optimistic that they can go six and five, that he can get them in theory to a winning record, but I don't think anyone's being too hard on him. I think we all kind of know, like the explosive downfield kind of plays aren't really his thing. That's just not what he does. And he's, you know, I joke with Jacoby, I've joked with Jacoby, he's 29, I'm 29. So to say that he's older sounds funny to me, but he is an older quarterback, especially in this locker room. He's one of the older guys. Um, I, this is who he is at this point. You know, there's not developing him. He's not this young kid right out of college that they're trying to work with. Um, so I think we're more than fair in assessing his capabilities and what we think this offense might look like around him. And I think especially when we talk about the fact he's going to have some help, you know, as long as the Browns can stay healthy, 
that offensive line is going to help him. The running back room is going to help him. If the defense can get takeaways, that's going to help him just giving him more opportunities. So I think that we've been perfectly fair in kind of assessing what, what this offense might look like with Jacoby. Can, can, uh, we've talked about Jacoby for the last half hour. Look, I'm already going to have to answer the people next Wednesday at, at the live show. Can we just, uh. <laughs> no, you, you own him, Ari. That's your guy. <laughs> you're you're attached to him. You cannot escape. I I have a Kevin question, but I think I might save it for the live show. Oh, oh might, well, it might just take us another half hour here, and I don't know yeah. if everybody's got another half hour here to talk. So about I, I once again have to continue my journey to 27 dresses and pack for yet another <laughs> wedding that I'm in, which our regular pod listeners listeners will remember when I went to Nashville. But um, yeah, so let's let's save it for the live show, Dan. It's all about me on this podcast. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> speaking of this live show that we were talking about, it's going to take place at the Music Box Supper Club on September 7th. That's next Wednesday. 5.30 to 7.30. It's in person. We get to do it in person again. The Music Box Supper Club is an awesome place. It's right on the, the river. It's down in the flats. It's fantastic. Uh, there are limited seats, though. We'll all be there. Um, I think I think Lance Reisland is going to be there doing a little film. Uh, I don't know about Terry, if Terry's going to be there. Um, but whatever. Come for us. And if Terry shows up, it's a bonus. Um, <laughs> That's a great tease. Come for Terry Pluto. <laughs> yeah. That if he doesn't show up, I will. <laughs> you know, Ashley and I uh, were we're thinking of modeling some of her twenty seven dresses. Yes. So she's going to bring the all of the uh, bridesmaid dresses that she has worn over the last year, and uh, we'll do that beforehand. Yep. And and by the way, I mentioned the menu on a previous pod. You get potato salad. You get a grilled kielbasa on a hoagie bun, baked beans. Uh, corn on the cob, caramel wow. corn. I mean, this is like a tailgate I, here. I thought you were going to say like just potato, like a potato, like hand you <laughs> a potato as you walk in. Like, I don't know. You like pause before you said salad. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody gets a potato. Yeah, uh, one, <laughs> one singular potato. That's it. It's tinyurl.com slash orangebrown22, all one word. I'll get you there fastest. So again, that's tinyurl.com slash orangebrown22. And I'm going to put a link to that in the description of this podcast. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, uh, go into that description and uh, click on that link and you can come to uh, come to our live event. Doug, <laughs> I don't know what this I had to do. I, I'm sorry. I, had, I did a live read once on a show and I had to read that. And I said, go to tinural.com. <laughs> when the show was over, the person was like, it's tiny URL. So whenever I hear that, I always say tinural. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, this was fun. Declarative statements. We kind of went off the rails there, uh, but that's all right. Again, hey, that's what podcasting is for. Uh, Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info, get signed up, get that newsletter, get access to stories on cleveland.com slash Browns and become a tech subscriber. Subscribe to this podcast too, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And seriously, come listen to us talk next week. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. So for Irie, Ashley, Mary Kay and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.